I'm Chris Lee of Southeastern 14, and it is baseball season. We are 24 hours away, less than that from the start of it. And I've got a special guest to help me preview the season. And boy, we got a lot to talk about in the SEC. Uh, if you're an LSU fan, you know this man. If you know the game, you know this man. He's Dan Canaveri. He is coached at LSU, Miami, six-time national champion, head coach of Southeastern Louisiana, pitching coach, podcast guy, you you name it all. Did, did I leave anything out there, Dan? That, that's a lot to, to bite off. Athletic director at LSU, and I also worked for Tiger Athletic Foundation as a fundraiser and did a TV show with Skip Bertman for a few years. So we had a lot of fun. And, and, and does a baseball contest with a complete stranger when, when he has the time. So <laughs> in any case, uh, thank you for joining us. A reminder, our content brought to you by Bet Online. It continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests, all the best player props experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices head to bet online today become part of the team remember to use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online well the game starts here well the games ended last year in omaha with a heavy sec presence obviously lsu the national champions florida the runners up tennessee was in omaha the year before that, Ole Miss took home the trophy. year before that is Mississippi State. year before that was Vanderbilt. It is a dog-eat-dog league. It is hyper-competitive at the top. Uh, we got another fun one setting up. We got, what, five or six SEC teams in the top ten. How do you see the league from the, the top down this year, Dan? Uh, the, the league is the way it's always been. It's uh, it's unbelievably balanced. Every week, uh, weekend that you play, it's it's a war. Um, and anybody can beat anybody. So there's no easy uh, marks on the schedule. Back when I was coaching, when I first started in the early 90s, you could play Vanderbilt and uh, consider mm-hmm. yourself two, at least two out of three, but three out of three, or play Kentucky. And uh, you look at now, Vanderbilt's got national championships under their belt, a beautiful park that they redid, a great coach. Uh, Kentucky just built a brand-new facility. Uh, you know, now Ole Miss is in the, in the mix. They weren't in there back in the day. Uh, it's just grown and grown and grown. And a lot of that has to do with the television contracts, football, uh-huh. college baseball has grown in popularity. And then the SEC schools, there's so much uh, fan involvement in the sports. It's such a big part of the culture in the Southeastern Conference that it's trickled into baseball and now it's starting to trickle into women's basketball and softball. Yeah, the biggest example, our home state of Tennessee, where, you know, Tennessee fans, they didn't draw flies for a long time. They got good in baseball. They've caught the fever as much as anybody. They sent a ton of fans to Omaha. You saw Mississippi State take over the park a couple of years ago, a little longer tradition in Starkville. But it's just crazy. Like Kentucky even, I think, sold out the park for regionals last year. Um, you know, not, not a place that traditionally does that. I think Missouri is really the only one. Uh, that, that needs to to maybe catch up to speed, but I mean that's that's a team that's put Max Scherzer in Major League Baseball, and and they've had history and tradition of their own in Big Twelve. It just they get to this league and it just eats you up. Well, Missouri's got to upgrade their facilities. You know, right, yeah. like, right, they're way behind on facilities. But you look at the other programs. Arkansas is there every year. They were. Foul pop away from winning a national championship. You know, you look at what's been done, old Mississippi Stadium, Mississippi State Stadium. Uh, Florida built a new stadium. They're actually ones that are dragging behind in attendance. But you look at South Carolina, Ray Tanner was there. 
They won a, a couple in a row, built a new stadium, and now they're a powerhouse in the SEC, uh, fighting. And, you know, every year they're in the top of the mix. So it's it, like you say, it's dog eat dog, Chris. And uh, it's uh, it, with the transfer portal, it's really changed everything. Yeah. Yeah, it has. It, it, I think it's made for more parity. I don't know if it's made a better game in some ways, but you just look and, I mean, I, I'm trying to decide. I'm going to do power rankings in the morning. Uh, my, my goodness, God, God help you if you can sort through these teams because there's going to be so much parity. Well, there's a parity because if somebody's playing on a team and they're not playing as much or they're playing behind someone that's a good player, uh, pe- people and players aren't willing to work and wait like they did yeah. back one wants to redshirt. Okay. The other thing is, if I was at Southeastern. If I'm at a school like Southeastern or a mid-major school, which is magnificent. I mean, I enjoyed my time at Southeastern and, of course, the mid-major schools. But the problem is now, if you get a good freshman, okay, he plays a year. It's like going to junior college. Somebody's going to grab him with an NIL. He's going to transfer out after a first year. So the big schools with the NIL money, the SEC, the big crowds and everything, they pretty much – it's free agency every year. And that's yeah. created only so much to go around. And guys are going to these SEC schools to play. So, for example, at LSU, Michael Braswell leaves South Carolina to go play shortstop at LSU. Uh, yeah. That's – and they bounce around, and there's not a lot of uh, regulation as to where they can go. Yeah, I mean, Colby Shelton leaves Alabama where he was freshman of the year candidate, now playing at Florida. LSU, of course, did very well for itself in the transfer portal a year ago. It's just um, – it's crazy, and it's going to be crazy at the top this year. Um, top ten teams you see in LSU, Arkansas, Florida, Vanderbilt A&M, uh, Tennessee I, I've seen as all top – I think all are top nine teams if you want to be technical – within D1 baseball. Let's just take those six teams. I mean, we got a, another tier of, of good teams after that that I could argue some of those would crack that that top group. But is that a top tier? Do you see separations in any of those teams? Did the, did the pollsters get it right? What do you think? I don't know if anybody can get it right because the bottom line is a brand new team with everybody every year. Yeah. The one uh, like you're talking about the transfer portal, LSU picked up Luke Coleman, and he's one of the top mm-hmm. pitchers. I mean, he was in Alabama last year. Uh, it's it's a tough it's a tough thing to know. The biggest thing is injuries are going to play yeah. a part. I mean, the most important coach on the staff is the physical therapist and the trainer, because <laughs> everybody's got great coaching talent. Everybody works hard. Everybody's got great facilities. Who stays healthy? Who doesn't? Who gets hurt at the wrong time? Uh, somebody gets hit with a pitch. He's out for three weeks. It changes your whole season. Because, like I said, every weekend you could you could go three and zero or zero for three. Doesn't matter who you're playing. I think your depth point is a good one there, and it's probably the reason I think I'm going to start LSU at the top. And, and it's, I mean, sure, to, to winning the national title, having that pedigree, having a coach who's been there at other programs in Omaha, Jay Johnson, help. Yes, it does. But I look at what LSU had a year ago. You had guys that were studs as freshmen, or Brady Neal. Uh, Praxton clean guys like that that were highly rated that hit when they had the chance to play, but that lineup was so deep. A lot of those guys sat down when it got to the second half of the season in Omaha's other guys made way. I mean, they've had a couple of catchers that have been there forever. Uh, Jared Jones, another guy last year, he did play more than some of the others. You look at the pitching staff, they bring back Atkin Hughes and Herring, uh, Gavin Gidry. Those guys were really good down the stretch. They added Holman. 
Thatcher Hurd came along late. I like the lower kid from Xavier they got. He had really good numbers there. He's a heavy ground ball guy, can can go long innings. Uh, Javin Coleman, the, the freshman they brought in. I mean, they, goodness, they brought in several great freshman arms. If you want to start with teams that are deep and can withstand injuries, I think that team is set up very well on both sides. I think you're absolutely right on the on the offensive side slash defensive side with the position players. There's a lot of depth there. There are LSU, a lot of quality freshmen. Okay, the biggest thing is, you know, you bring in a guy like uh, Max Bingham, who's an all pack. Yeah. He's going to be in the outfield. Kling, who's a, a high, going to be a high draft pick. He's got great tools. Uh, was hurt and then uh, kind of didn't play. But the bottom line is, you've got Tommy Tanks, you've got Braswell, you've got Josh Pearson at second base. You got Malazzo. You got Neil behind the plate. Malazzo was a, a key player last year, but remember, like these guys, Neil, Paxton Kling, okay, uh, Jared Jones are all played, and now they're coming back as a sophomore with playing experience at the highest level and were there for a national championship, experienced it, and they're hungry for it where they're a major part of it. I think that's a big thing. You know, from coaching-wise, you don't have to motivate those guys. Prove that they play. Got great leadership from Malazzo, but you've also got great leadership from Tommy White, who's been there and, of course, one of the key figures on the team. And then, you know, you, you go on and on about those players. But the biggest thing with the depth, Chris, is they've got 10 lefties and they're probably 20 deep on the mound. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And uh, they've got some quality freshmen in the infield, quality freshmen on the mound. Uh, Jay's got been in his third year now. He's got it where it's layered correctly. you got the right amount of seniors, fifth-year seniors, seniors, three-year guys, two-year guys, and freshmen coming in so that they're not really have a hole in the recruiting. He's got it all. Yeah. And uh, that's what a good coach does. Uh, LSU's tough and Jay's an excellent coach. I would agree with you. I think they have to be the pick. Uh, yeah. to, to see, they're number two in the nation right now behind uh, Wake Forest. I think that's a coin flip as to which right now are the best two teams. Yeah. I, I don't know Wake Forest as well as I know the other rosters. And I know they added Seaver King and they've got some arms back. I think Hartle's back and they've got some boots. But it's hard to, I look at these SEC teams. It's hard to imagine somebody thinks there's a team out better than some of these teams we're about to discuss. Yeah. No, this is, it's the cream of the crop and uh, it's always going to be that way. It's been that way for the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, the rest of the leagues are trying to catch up to the SEC. Uh, every team can play. I can't see a team that, that, that you couldn't say could win the national championship in the entire league. And then let's face it, you're going to be adding Oklahoma and Texas to the mix. All right, let's go to Florida. Well, I don't know if Florida is number two. I think it's got a good case. Several other teams do, but we'll go with the Gators right now just because of that runner-up status. It got the maybe the national player of the year and Jack Caglione, the, the two-way guy everybody knows. We know to that. It's Shelton. They bring back some guys in Curland and Heyman and, and Shelnut who hit pretty well. Ty Evans came on really late. The pitching, Kevin O'Sullivan always has pitching. Cade Fisher is, I think, primed to be an ace. Slater threw well for them. Caglione's control is allegedly improved. I, I think I need to see it in the game before I completely buy in. And then they've got Jamison, some guys in the pen, and they added a star-studded recruiting class. I think LSU's got a little more depth and maybe a little bit more proven. 
But Kevin O'Sullivan's right up there with Tim Corbin at guys that can develop pitching. And, and I always tend to to lean towards teams that are pitching heavy. So I, I think that's where Florida's got to be in that conversation at the top just because of, of that and that pedigree. Of course, Kevin, before uh, before he was the head coach at, the, at Florida, you know, he's a great pitching coach at Clemson. That's where he made his mark. And uh, it's always a great thing when your head coach is a pitching coach because – one, you know you're going to recruit pitching uh, if the head coach is pitching. Two, you know he's that's his expertise, and you can coach pitching more than hitting. Uh, you can take guys with good arms and pitch, and you can improve it. Hitting is tough. It's a gift, uh, putting the bat on the ball. Uh, you can improve a hitter, but pitchers you can improve, I think, a lot better and a lot quicker. Oh, Sullivan's got the ability to do that. The other thing is the state of Florida is a great baseball state. I was there at the University of Miami, you know, coached at, at the, you know, the high school and collegiate level in the state of Florida, recruited there many years. Uh, just great baseball. And Florida, for people that aren't from that state, don't realize that the University of Florida is the state in the school. You've got a lot of schools, but Florida's the the kind of like the flagship it's the uh the the, the one that uh, was the original big school in florida florida state's kind of second miami's down there at the end at the uh southern end uh, as an independent well they were an independent when i played but as a private school not a state school florida's going to draw a lot of people and they're right on the georgia line so they get a lot from that georgia uh baseball rich community east cobb in that area so it's mm-hmm going to be good every year and O'Sullivan's a great coach and like you said they got a lot of depth on, on both sides of the ball maybe maybe the next team speaking of teams got a lot through the draft I don't think anybody got more through the draft than Arkansas Dave Van Horn feels like he's sort of due to win one of these uh, sometimes you just bang on the door although that didn't happen um at Florida State but but most of the time you 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 do it enough and and you get there I think their three-man rotation that they start with, with Hagan Smith, Brady Tigert, Mason Molina from Texas Tech, it was very good there. I, I think their threesome is probably, in, in terms of what they've proven, as good as anybody's. Uh, you'd like to see Tigert be a little more durable and throw more innings before you make that with complete confidence, but he was very good when he threw a year ago. They've got some guys back in, in the pen. They added a bunch of freshmen. Uh, you know, the offensive side, it's not going to be his best lineup, but they hit the portal. They, they they filled some holes with some guys. They've got a guy like Kendall Diggs back. Uh, Peyton Stovall, I, I think, hasn't really lived up to the promise that he had when he came in, but he's a kid who's gifted and can hit. Uh, depth everywhere. I think this team is going to be up there with those others too, potentially. Dave Van Horn is one of the best coaches in college baseball. He's been doing a long time. Uh, he's been on the brink of winning a national championship. Every year he's in the hunt, and uh, he does a real good job. And, of course, Arkansas, uh, one of the most beautiful parks you can go to, great facility, and they've grown every year, every year, got a great fan base. They've got all the ingredients, but, uh, you know, in this baseball, if you're at the top of the heap every year and you're in the mix every year for a national championship, sooner or later you're going to break through. It's just got to fall. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, Dave was was a foul ball away. Yeah, championship. You can't get any closer than that, and uh, I just think he's due. Uh, they're a very scary team. They're always highly competitive, much like Davis, and highly competitive. They play solid baseball, and uh, they they really play well at home. So uh, look for them to be right up at the top of the heap, like you say. 
All right, let's speak of coaches that took a while to break through, and he's since won two. Tim Corbin at Vandy. I'm in Nashville. I see them play a lot. They've got a very interesting roster because you look up and down their lineup, they do not have the thumpers that Florida's got, that LSU's got, uh, that Tennessee's got, that A&M's got. And the, the pitching staff, it is not as top-heavy with an obvious guy like a Carson Fulmer or a David Price or a Kyle Wright. But they got a lot of good guys. If Carter Holton could be that guy if he can stay healthy. They've got a ton of arms, though. They got a freshman on Ethan McElvain, who they've kind of anointed as the next guy, which Tim doesn't tend to do. So for him to say that lets you know that that, that kid's got some serious stuff. They're, they're deep. They've got some experienced arms in their bullpen. I think they're going to be a lineup that one to nine is tough to pitch to, but they don't have that guy. I mean, it could be Vastine, could be Diaz but they don't have that guy like a Caglione or a Tommy White. And I think that's kind of where people separate them from the best, the rest of the pack. But, man, they are they are deep and they are balanced, and, and they're going to play an older school type game with speed and defense, athleticism, bunting that maybe you don't see as much. I think they're a very interesting team because I could see that season going where they're, they're the last one standing at the end, or I could see them being a team that, that maybe – misses the second weekend because the, the things that we're concerned about got them in the end. Well, like you mentioned it, they're going to play Vandy boy baseball, you know, and uh, that's Tim Corbin's brand of baseball. Tim Corbin, excellent coach. They play high energy, solid fundamental, um, come at you, uh, have many different ways to win on the bases. They're going to beat you with hit. They don't have the do, like you're saying. Yeah. They don't have the lineup that puts fear, but they play one through nine. They use their lineup well. And in this day and age, there's a lot of parks with the turf. And, of course, when they're at home, they play great turf ball. You know, they play that speed baseball, a lot of great, highly competitive athletes. Uh, and Corbin's going to have them there. And, of course, they always do a great job with the pitching. And so that's going to keep them in the ballpark, uh, keep them in every ball game. And, uh, again, they'll be there at the end. They'll be in the hunt. They'll be in the postseason, host the regional. And if things work right, you could uh, uh, and not blink. Three hours to the east of Vanderbilt, Tennessee. And, and I think people might be sleeping on this team a little bit. The, the thought is that the pitching is down a little bit. You know, they had Dolander, Burns, and Beam the last couple of years. That's, that's hard to beat anywhere, anytime. But they're going to move A.J. Russell into the rotation. Guy struck out 45% of hitters last year, walked seven. That's, that's amazing. You look up and down their pitching staff. These guys do not put a lot of guys on, which is a big thing. Um, you know, the, the ratios are as good as anybody's. They keep the ball in the park pretty well, uh, given that they play in a band box. I think Frank Anderson is as good at developing pitching as just about anybody. Uh, I, I think their pitching is going to be a little better. Now, the question is, does a Russell or somebody like that, do they take the next step up? Can you go from being a, a one-inning guy, maybe two-inning guy, to a guy that can give five or six? No, it's a big difference in endurance. We'll see. But I like the track record of what they got. They've got some guys that have thrown some innings. Uh, the lineup adding Billy Amick, uh, I think that helped a lot. I don't think it's as good a lineup as they had two years ago, but they've got some guys with some thump. They got Christian Moore, who was a, you know, you could see him be a 2020 guy this year, which doesn't happen often in college baseball. They've got some Juco depth off the bench, I think. I think this is the team. Uh, they finished strong last year. Very interested to see if they can make that translate into this season. Well, Tony Vitello does a great job up there. He's a great recruit, you know, has great uh, you know, pedigree, come through the ranks. 
you know, great player at uh, Missouri. Uh, I think you're spot on, Frank Anderson, one of the best uh, college coaches. He gets the most out of his pitchers. He does a good job in the college game in the fact, like like you mentioned, Chris, they throw a lot of strikes. If you throw strikes, you put it in the zone, you always got a chance to win. Uh, pitching never goes in a slump if you do it right. Uh, I, I think they're a high-percentage team. And, again, playing in a bandbox, uh, power's always there if you play in a bandbox. That park, the ball jumps out of the place. Uh, so when they play at home, they're tough to beat. Uh, that means a lot in the SEC. If you can win two out of three uh, at home uh, you're, you're, every weekend, you're going to be right in the hunt for the national championship. Yeah, and, and I think what was really impressive, they got sent to Clemson, which was a tough regional, and then they got sent to Southern Miss on, on the coaching retirement tour and, and came out of both those environments to Omaha. I thought that was – that's a spot where – I think if you're sitting in the other dockets, you're you're a little worried that team got a little confidence with that postseason run. And they they've got a you know they got a little chip on their shoulder. They were supposed yes. to. Have, <laughs> you always got to be scared of a team that's got a chip on their shoulder. It's got something to prove. Yeah. All right. This team's got something to prove on the mound. It, it's Texas A&M. I'm seeing A&M as a top ten team nationally. I'm. This is one where I'm having a little trouble to be honest, Dan, because I, I look at what they brought back last year. I know Nate Yeski's at, at LSU now. Felt like the finger got pointed at him, rather fairly or you know, whether fairly or unfairly. Th th look, they've got some pieces that, that I like. They get Ryan Prager back, who was decent a couple years ago. Uh, Justin Lampkin's a guy that um, it, it was good for them a year ago. Chris Cortez is a guy that's got some talent, and they got the Ashenbeck kid, who's kind of their Swiss Army knife out of the bullpen. It's always good to have one of those guys, especially in postseason. But I'm I'm just not sure the pitching is up to everybody else in the lineup. They added Braden Montgomery. Uh, they got some good transfers out of the portal. That the Camarillo kid out of Cal State Northridge had a really nice season. Uh, Ryan Targach was hurt last year. That kid's got massive power as a second baseman. I think he's going to have a better year. Their lineup has got a chance to be as good as anybody's. I'm I'm not as sure about their pitching. I know they always got talent, but that that to me is a place where maybe that team separates from the rest of the pack because I'm not sure the arms are going to be there with everybody else's, but they could be. I agree with that. I think, uh, I don't know if you point the finger at Nate Yeski, but I'm uh, looking at uh, the history. Nate Yeske, college pitching coaches in the nation. I think that's a big yeah. loss uh, for Jay Johnson to woo him away from A&M. Of course, he worked with Jay at Arizona. Nate Yeske's outstanding. I've watched him work. I think that's a big loss probably bigger than some players uh, to lose a coach like that. And again, he only had a couple of years with uh, Slosh Nagel. Slosh now going into his third year and with Nolan Kane as his recruiting guy. Most coaches, you're going to see whether they're going to make their move into the national scene in their third year on the job. Uh, because the first year, you kind of figure out who's there. The second year, you bring in some recruits. And now you've got the guys that you kept from the year before and you make your run. And in your third year, you should have all the people that are on your on your uh, mission moving in the same direction. And that's when the program has to escalate. So I think this is a pivotal year for Jim Schlossnagel. Uh, they'll always have talent. Great state of Texas. Plenty of NIL money at the uh, Texas A&M. Great facilities. You know, great coach. I, they have to make a move this year. Uh, I'm not sure if they can make it. I don't know if they have the horses right now. 
All right. This next team up, I think, is very interesting. And I think maybe I could argue slightly underrated. I think this team is kind of a poor man's Vanderbilt. And here's what I mean. The pitching, I think, is going to be really good. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute. But the lineup, I'm I'm not sure about now. It's old. It's got guys like Will Hodo, Bryce Eblen, uh, who feel like they've been there forever. Matt Gassette, who was at Florida before that. Um, they hit some guys through the transfer portal that were maybe good, not great. T.J. McCants in center. Uh, I thought he was a really good player at Ole Miss as a freshman. Uh, I think they had some personal issues. I think his mom passed away. be interesting to see if, if he can reset uh, and have a real good season in Alabama. The Petrich's kid they got from Maryland's a real good hitter. But, man, they're pitching. And, boy, if, if, if they didn't get rated in the portal with some of their guys, uh, we, we might have been talking about them a little sooner. Ben Hess is super talented. So is Riley Quick. Alton Davis was good. Uh, they added a couple kids in Alcock and Buchanan uh, from Gardner-Webb and Southern who threw a lot – or excuse me, Wofford threw a lot of innings last year. Uh, they've got some other guys that back in the – Hagen Banks. I think this is a team – Rob Walton did a tremendous job at Maryland. I feel like they've got a lot of pitching. I, I think the lineup – I compared to Vanderbilt. I'm not sure how much the lineup's going to hit. doesn't have the pop that other guys do. But it feels like to me if, if they can be cohesive – because when you add the portal, you just never know. They've got a chance to be really, really good on the mound. Well, I think they've got a chance. I think uh, with the new coaching staff and with the turmoil that happened there last year, that was a big blow to the program. Of course, in this day and age, with the transfer portal and with the NIL, I think it took a blow. I think they're a couple years away from being back to the top of the pack. I think Coach Walton's going to have to figure out the SEC a lot different from where he's been. Uh, it's it's going to be quite a challenge, and I think they still have to get more talent and get more cohesive and get a system in place uh, for them to recruit in the type of players that are going to fit his system. Give me some things where it's it's a challenge jumping into the SEC because Rob Walton did a great job at Maryland. That program really wasn't much to Eric Backage kind of put her on the map. They they have cold weather disadvantages. It's not a hotbed of college baseball. So I tend to look at it and go, that's a guy that came into a tough spot given all the turmoil Alabama a year ago. And and I thought flipped the roster pretty quickly. Uh, but but it, it is a different animal in the SEC. Well, again, every weekend is a war, number one. Number two, the coaches are all great. Everybody's got assistant coaches, large staffs. So there's a lot of scouting. A lot of work can be done. A lot of individual work can be done uh, because, you know, there's large budgets with the big football. It's not the same yeah. where Maryland was. And so it's a lot different thing. Plus, you know, you've got big crowds every weekend, and that's different. You'll feel the pressure, and I think he's going to feel that kind of pressure, the fan pressure. You're in the media every time. You're in the newspaper. There's cameras in your face. You're on social media. There's podcasts like we have, websites, everything. It's going to be a transition. It's like a freshman coming in trying to play as a freshman. Even though he's been at Maryland, it's not the same as the SEC. Uh, it's just, it's just, it, to quote uh, the, the, it just means more in the SEC. Yeah. All right, down the road from Alabama's Auburn. I, I think Butch Thompson gets more out of his team year in and year out than anybody. So I feel like wherever I pick him, it's probably going to end up being too low. Um, the offense again, it's not a, it's not a scare you on paper group. They did get some high on base transfers from the lower leagues, and Butch has made that work before with Sonny Deshera and some of the kids he's brought in. 
Uh, they've got some guys, I think Irish and McMurray are, are big power guys at catcher and first. Had really good years a year ago. Irish can, really, I think, really be a stud. Uh, Bobby Pierce and Stanfield are back. Seems like those guys have been there forever. On the mound, they got a lot of guys coming back. I don't know that they were great arms, but they're arms that have pitched a lot of ball. And if Joseph Gonzalez is back anywhere near where he was before, he was an ace, and he'd give them one on par. Uh, I'd say above most SEC teams. I think this team's going to be very interesting, Dan. I think they're a team that you got to watch out for. And I think the biggest thing, uh, you know, for Butch, who's, who's a very good coach and, of course, good pitching coach, you know, when he was an assistant coach, they got to get out of the shoot in the SEC uh, better than they have the last couple of years. They seem to come out slow and then come out at the end. And I yeah. think good effort early, stay with it, stay on top, get their confidence up and start bulldozes some teams and and run, you know, where he's winning 14 out of 16 in the SEC. That kind of a run. And then they got a shot at Omaha. But they seem to take two steps forward, one step back, get out to a slow start, play well for a little while, and all of a sudden go in a hole for a couple of weekends. I think the consistency of them playing week in and week out, that mental toughness is what really needs to show this year for Auburn to really be in that upper echelon of the SEC. What do you make of Georgia? Because that was a very interesting situation. Georgia is a team where commitment has kind of been behind the rest of the league. Football's king down there. And and it, it, you can you can throw a rock and, and hit talent in Georgia. So I've, I've always thought they should have won at a higher level than they did. And I thought when they brought in Scott Strickland, you know, he's a guy that got Kent State to the World Series. Just never happened for him for whatever reason. This is a complete roster flip. Well, not complete. They, they've got some building blocks. They got Corey Collins back. They got Condon back, who's a, a top five pick. I thought some of their guys like Goldstein, Finley, threw well for them down the stretch a year ago. Uh, Chandler Marsh being another guy. But they went heavy in the portal. They had one of the better portal classes in the country. First time head coach, a lot of new faces. What do you make of Georgia? I think George is a year or two away. Uh, Coach Wes Johnson, great guy. Uh, met him, you know, spent some time with him at LSU when he was there. Of course, great pitching coach, was in the major leagues, been in Arkansas, been around the league. Uh, high energy guy, good coach. But uh, I think they are about a year or two away of recruiting classes to really get to where they have to be. That's It's hard to recruit when your coach is rumored to be fired. That's number yeah. one. Number two, you bring in a guy that's coming in off a national championship, okay, as a head coach. He's a new guy. But with the portal and everything, everybody's like, oh, let's wait and see. I'd rather go here because they're rebuilding. And then you lose some players to the portal. Uh, they haven't had a lot of success. The facilities aren't up to speed. I think what West has got to do is they're going to be improved this year with what they have, okay? They have to show some improvement on their facilities and uh, their NIL and West who wasn't the main recruiter at LSU as a head coach. He's got to get some people out there. They got to recruit that Atlanta, Georgia area. They got to get some Omaha type players in and he's got to get out in the national recruiting scene. And uh, I think it's going to take a year or two to do that. And the improvement this year will help the recruiting next year and the year after that. Again, always look at a coach in a three-year window Jay Johnson was kind of unusual, but uh, the, the difference with Jay Johnson and winning in his second year uh, their coach didn't get fired. Call Paul Maneri yeah. retired. 
Georgia, the coach got fired, and then there was a you know a lot of people left, and the people that stayed, a lot of guys were staying, but they didn't win, and that's why the coach got fired. So it's a tough transition. You got to change mentalities, and anytime you have a new coach come in, it takes a while for the team to get used to that new coach. You get some new coach adrenaline, but you got to have some talent, and you got to have a couple of years of good recruiting to really get in there and get the program to where it needs to be. Look for them to be. Middle of the pack, down near the bottom of the pack this year. Now, now here's another team that's interesting. I, I feel like we say this with all the teams, but this is this is the SEC. I watched South Carolina play mid-April last year in person for three games. And I felt like leaving that weekend, even though they, they lost the series at Vandy that I was at, I, I left thinking that's a national title caliber team. The injuries killed them. Uh, the pitching injuries, I think, were particularly harmful. And, and this team – Lost its confidence, got its footing back a little bit late. Maybe did did get a regional win and and then got ousted before Omaha. But you look at the lineup; uh, they've got one of the best players in the country in Petrie. The two Vandy transfers, uh, Cass has had a big year for him last year. Parker Nolan's their second baseman now. Cole Messina is about as good an offensive catcher as you'll find in this league. Uh, they, they got Jones and Becker at the top of that rotation. And they've got Veach, who's a little bit of a utility knife out of the bullpen. Uh, I really liked the job Mark Kingston was doing last year until the injuries just took their toll. And I'm, I'm wondering if the rebound year, uh, I, I think they could make it interesting again. Yeah, they're a team to watch. They were successful. They held it together. The coach is still there. He's done a good job. Mark's a good coach, you know, does a good job recruiting. And like you said, if not for the injuries, they might have been one of the top teams in Omaha. Okay, but injuries play a big part. If they can stay injury free and they can get that confidence going, you know, all the way through the season, uh, I, they're a team that I, I think can be in that upper echelon uh, as, at the end of the year if they stay injury free. The Mississippis, uh, just, and this again speaks to the depth of the league, how quickly it can fall apart on you. State's got a lot of bats back, but but couldn't throw anything last year just gave up runs and bunches um the, the, the lineup is interesting Dakota Jordan's a potential first rounder I just don't know if that pitching has been decimated to the point where they can compete with the rest of the league of course they, they fired a pitching coach I guess mid-season a year ago uh, it, it's just kind of amazing how quick it's fallen and then now you got the issue you mentioned having coaches being on the hot seat hurting recruiting that got that kind of going against him I'm, I'm wondering if this is a year that they can salvage it uh, because everywhere you look, everybody in this league is going to be tough to beat. I think it's a tough one for Chris Lamonis to salvage. You know, two years not making the tournament, uh, it's hard to recruit to that in the SEC. Yeah. And then you fire your pitching coach mid-level, mid-season, and then, of course, the rumors, if he doesn't get it done this year, he's gone. Uh, no one's going to make that kind of commitment. Uh, he's got to do a heck of a coaching job this year, and uh, the fans there have to get behind him, not work against him, because that's part of the power of Mississippi State is the fans and the fan base and the stadium. So, uh, again, uh, it's going to be a tough year, I think, at Mississippi State. Ole Miss, it brings back its rotation. Those guys, it wasn't very pretty a year ago. They were all transfers from lower-level schools, I think. Sonia might have been a freshman there, but um... – in any case, uh, the, the lineup lagged down the stretch. They get the Mallets kid back, who in the back in the bullpen was really good two years ago. That's going to help. But that's another one. I just it feels like there's a gap between that roster and that upper echelon of the league. Well, they got hurt with the transfer portal. They had a lot of guys leave, 
And uh, but Mike Bianco was a, is a great coach. You know, he's proven himself. Won in Omaha. Uh, Mike's going to work his tail off. I, Mike's personal friend, and of course, coached together for years. And uh, he's going to get it together. They're going to have some players. They're going to outcoach some people. Uh, it's tough at Ole Miss because again, uh, with football, with the upswing with Kiffin, and uh, and with basketball taking upswing with Chris Chris Beard. I hate to say this, but NIL money comes into play in yeah. basically other sports, and they're kind of leaning towards those money-making sports. Mike has been there so long, and the baseball program's made money. They're kind of like, well, we can leave them alone, but we really got to get yeah. this basketball going. And again, every school, there's only so much money that you can allocate to NIL. Unfortunately, that's the way the game is now. So I think Mike's just got to do a great coaching job to be right in the hunt. I think he's good enough to host a regional. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be good enough to get to a super regional. I think the big thing is like they did when they won in Omaha. Can they get hot at the right time? And uh, if they can do that, they got a chance to, to be in Omaha. I thought Nick Mangione at Kentucky last year should have been at the forefront of the, of the coach of your conversation. I can't remember who won it now. Um, but in any case, I, I thought the way that he moneyballed together a roster with some lower-profile transfer guys, they, they put a whole lineup together. They get a lot of that infield back. I felt like they pieced their pitching together uh, a little bit like Mississippi State did two years ago, except without the, the two studs at the top. I, I think they got some of those guys back. Nick was nowhere on anybody's radar last year, and Kentucky wasn't. They started hot. They scheduled well. They got that RPI up to where they they got to eventually host. I, I don't know really what it looks like for them this year if he can do that two years in a row, but I thought he did such a, an, an outstanding job a year ago with that that I feel like now that he's got a blueprint to do that, uh, that they're going to be a tough out on the weekends too. Well, you said it. You said he's got a money ball type of approach. You know, he's he's piecing it together. He's trying to hide, you know, playing the the, the percentages, trying to get on base guys, put players together. Okay, much like the Oakland A's. Okay? Yeah, they are going to win games over the long haul. But when you get to the postseason, it comes down to two things: Do you have a dominant pitcher, and can you hit a three-run homer? I mean, that's how you win in the SEC. That's how on a weekend. That's how you win in the postseason. That's how you win in Omaha. And uh, if you don't have that power in your lineup, or you don't have the couple of arms that can uh, get out there and and shut it down when you get to the postseason, because everybody else has got a good arm, it's very very difficult to win. Because as you play and you get deeper in the SEC, or you get in the postseason, the pyramid effect takes place. Guys don't make yeah. it. Guys throw you out. They hold the runners. They hit homers. You don't. They're not going to swing at pitches out of the zone. The players are better. So I think. That money ball approach works, but it doesn't work in the postseason, and especially in Omaha. Yeah, they, they just didn't have enough. And, and I think they ran into LSU's second weekend, too, which uh, good, good luck beating those guys in Baton Rouge. Yeah, it's a tough one. And uh, yeah. there's going to be a lot of that. It's just hard. But Mangione does a good job with that method, and uh, maybe that's the way you have to do it in Kentucky. They're weather-challenged. You know, they get a great yeah. weather-challenged. And the state's not a hotbed for baseball. You know, so it's a basketball state. So, again, NIL money comes into play. There's a lot of different things involved there. You know, football's on the rise. That's where the money is. Basketball, of course, is one of the tops, if not the top in the country. So he's kind of on that the lower tier, uh, you know, at his own school to get this thing to the next level where you really have to go out and have a lot of NIL money and bring in some 
some top-notch draft picks to play. Speaking of coaches, I think do a good job. Uh, one of them, I thought, did the best with what he had and got fired anyway, Steve Beezer. I, I watched Missouri out of the gate last year. I watched them. I can't remember which tournament they were playing at, but they, they pulled off a couple of wins against some some regional-type teams, watched them on TV, thought, hey, these, these guys might have something this year. And there's no margin for error up there. The injuries hit. I think you get into the league, you know, just the grind of week in and week out can kill your confidence. I think that's what did it with them. Kyrus Jackson comes in. He's a good recruiter, ties to Missouri. Did get Danny Corona from Wake Forest to the portal, which was, I would have to think, an upset. But this is just a team. I, I look at the tiers, and I feel like they're going to start at, at 14 and maybe a distant pace behind whoever's 13. Well, Carrick, of course, coached at Southern here in Baton Rouge. Uh, you know, I, I was at Southern for a while. He came right after me. Good guy, good coach. Uh, for a while, he worked with, uh, you know, uh, Major League Baseball in a developmental uh, role in coaching after he left Southern. Uh, before he went to Southern, he worked with Scott Boris Agency, of course, and, uh, you know, was a, a recruiter for them. And so, you know, he knows major, he knows the recruiting circuit. He's a very good recruiter. But, again, weather challenge big time. Um, challenged uh, NIL wise uh, and challenged facility wise, and uh, that's a tough place uh, to win. Carrick's going to improve him. He's going to be uh, you know get the best they can out of Missouri. But again, two to three years away, you got to see where he's going to be and how much of a commitment is Missouri going to make to be yeah. in the front as a as a you know athletic department. I think that's big. Again, they're making a move in football, and uh, they're going to invest their money where they think they're going to best best return. Baseball might not be that one, uh, but I'm happy for Carrick. It's an opportunity coach at Missouri, which he's you know, very, very tied into that university. So I think that's a good fit. Thank you for getting his name right where I did, and I was thinking of the former Georgia wide receiver, and I, I completely botched it. But, um, yeah, how, how far are they behind everybody else? I know they've got – some of the, um, the, oh, what's the word? You know, some of the, the high-end tech stuff and some things like that. They have spent some money on that. But but I think you're right. It's just everybody in this league is now all in on baseball. And if you're not, you're way behind everybody else. You got to buy in. You got to build a stadium. You got to get fan base. You got to get people in there. Because, you know, I mean, with all the opportunities out there in the SEC, you know, playing the SEC, I mean, I don't mean this as an insult, but, you're not going to pick Missouri over Southern, uh, you know, over yeah. Miss, Miss. Okay, let alone LSU, Arkansas, and all these other teams. It's it's the way it is today in in, in baseball. You got to get the top players to do that, and it's hard to recruit there. There's just not a lot to recruit to. So much like Kentucky did, they spent a lot of money on a ballpark to try to get in the hunt, and uh, I think Missouri has to do that. Dan, I, th I think if I've counted it right, I think we've hit all the teams. Any any parting thoughts, any big storylines that we should have covered that we didn't get to? No, I tell you what, I just think it's a, SEC baseball is the best in the nation. Uh, I think you're going to see a big shift in the next couple of years in college athletics with NIL, with the transfer portal, with TV contracts. And I think uh, next year the SEC adding two more teams is going to change. But I see that College athletics is going to change the next two to three years. We don't know how that's going to go. It's going to be driven by football, by NIL, and by TV contracts. You may see 
25 to 35 teams be in their own division separate from the NC2A with their own set of rules. And if that's the case, you know, you may see baseball with 25 headcount scholarships and uh, unlimited coaching staffs because there's going to be a lot of money at those schools and they're going to play by a different set of rules than the rest of the people. And so I think college baseball is going to change here in the next three to five as a result of the change that's going to take place in football. Which drives yeah. Oh. yeah. I, I'm I'm concerned about it too. And the Title Nine, I don't I don't mean to be disrespectful to women's athletics. I had a had a niece that played college basketball. Glad she got the opportunity. My concern is if that continues to be an issue that can't be worked around, what it's going to get to is it's going to be football, maybe basketball, and how many ever women's sports that you, you know, need to get to your equal scholarship number. Uh, and I worry that baseball gets squeezed because, like, LSU, Ole Miss, some of those schools that, that make a profit on it or are close enough, they'll find a way. But I'm worried they, they won't. you will look around, you won't find enough guys to, to field a competitive NCAA tournament with. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the, the one thing is with, with uh, gender equity, I'm all in favor of women's sports. I think they all deserve. But let's get real. When you're figuring out equity – you got to take yeah. foot. Yeah. I mean, you just got to take it out. It's just, it's different. It's, it's the uh, U S treasury for a university, yeah. a whole different animal. You can't live without it. You can't have a high level athletic program without a high level football. The TV money drives it all. I mean, after football, I think it should be gender equity. It's just my opinion. I think it should be even. I think the women, should, everything the men get, but you got to take football out of it. You really yeah. do really be fair to college athletics and to really understand how the budgets and everything works. I think that's fair. I think men's basketball and women's basketball should get the same. I think softball and baseball should get the same track and field, men and women's tennis. I think they all should get the same, but there's nothing compares to football. No sport in the world. Dan, thank you so much for your time. Really enjoyed it. Cannot wait for uh, tomorrow when, when baseball season kicks off. And I know you're right there with me. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Chris. Enjoyed it, and uh, good luck to you. All right. That's Dan Canaveri. I'm Chris Lee. We're Southeastern 14. Thanks for watching. We'll see you soon.